You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. North Valley, good morning, good morning. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Can you believe it? This is the last Sunday of 2018. And I'm sure that everyone under the sound of my voice can agree with me when I say God has truly been faithful. Let's celebrate that on this morning. God has truly been faithful. My name is Ellis. I'm the guest services coordinator here at North Valley. And as you know, in this new year, a lot of people make a lot of resolutions and commitments and whatnot. And uh, if any of them are like me, come January 15th, they're thrown out the window. But I tell you what, North Valley has two opportunities that we would like for you to take advantage of in this coming new year. One of them being growth track and the other one being neighborhood groups. Our growth tracks are definitely designed to help you grow. If you're new or if you've been here for a while, growth tracks are definitely for you. This is a great opportunity for you to start. So I want to encourage each and every one of you to take advantage of the opportunity that North Valley has given to you in order to sign up for growth track. The other opportunity that North Valley is offering is neighborhood groups. Please don't do life alone. I want to encourage you and myself, as well as 120 other adults that's taken advantage of these neighborhood groups. God has made us for more, and we need to take advantage of that. We are better together. These small groups will be starting at the end of January 2019, and I ask each and every one of you to consider to sign up for a neighborhood group. If you have any questions in reference to the two opportunities that North Valley is offering, you can see me over in the connection corner. I'll be there after service on today. This morning, Pastor Ryan and his family are on the skis at the ski slope. With that being said, Pastor Ryan has made a tradition to send some of the most influential voices of the valley to North Valley Community Church. Undoubtedly, one of those influential voices from Anthem is Pastor Bob Lehman. He and his wife are the founders of a church and has recently retired from that role to start a new ministry entitled Recharge, a ministry dedicated to pastors and their wives to do just that, Recharge. North Valley, at this time, I want you to help me welcome Pastor Bob as he come and break the word of life. Alice, you are awesome. Just exactly like I wrote it. That was great. You know, that was, that, that was so awesome. You know, hey, North Valley, it is so good to be here. I don't know why they keep on asking me to come back, but I've uh, been back about five times and stuff, and I just really enjoy you, and I enjoy uh, hanging out with you guys. It, it, it's just been fantastic. The, the 1030 service here is, uh, is a real treat. First of all, my wife is here of... Uh, We'll be married 46 years in a week. Is that awesome? You know, just really amazing. You know, I, I married way out of my league, and so I'm just so thankful. But, you know, something else is really neat. We've got four kids, and three of our kids are here. Um, my youngest son, Josh, and his, his wonderful wife, Becca, and their three 
almost four kids, you know, have joined us from uh, Tampa, Florida. And so this is, you know, really, really awesome. Uh, I have one son who's in Papua New Guinea with his family. My daughter is here with uh, her kids. Uh, Her husband is a firefighter, and so he is working today. And then my oldest son, Jason, and his wife, Melinda, and kids are here as well. And Jason uh, and his company produce many of the videos that North Valley enjoys and sees from time to time as well. So it is really a joy. But I got you. You guys need to know, heavy pressure on me, okay? I mean, because these guys are in the splash zone, okay, right here, and uh, I'm kind of concerned that I'm going to kind of inundate them, you know, and they, if they get up and walk out, you know that, you know, this is bad, okay? So, you just don't understand it. Hey, it is a privilege to be here. In fact, you could not have picked a better Sunday to be here, and one of the reasons is I have the privilege of starting a new series here, and the new series is called Divine Direction. Divine direction is so interesting because I don't know if you know this or not, but there was a survey taken very recently of 5,000 church goers, and and they were asked, interestingly enough, they were asked this question, what topic would you most like to have your preacher, your pastor, preach on? And the number one subject matter was, you ready for it? Drum roll. Bible prophecy. I'm going to leave that to Ryan, okay? You know, when he comes back, he, he can do that one. But the number two one, the second most topic, uh, topic was how to understand and make wise decisions for life. Now listen, it's easy for me to be a guest pastor to come in here and say, this message is the most profound message you will ever hear. But I just want to tell you, The content of this message is profound. Not because I'm saying it, because the Bible says this is important stuff. How you and I make decisions in 2019 is amazing and is profound and can have long-term results. And so really, I just want all of us to really key in on what God might be saying because direction and decision-making is huge. And if we make the wrong decisions, it can be disastrous. In fact, every one of us here in this room, everyone, is only one decision away from disaster. It's true. One decision away to blowing up your marriage. One decision away to making some financial disastrous things. One decision away that could really make a difference negatively in your kids. So how we make decisions is huge. And I'm not using hyperbole here. It just is very, very big. Direction is important. Uh, Janet and I, I, I went to grad school, went to seminary in Denver, Colorado years ago. And, and they, we would, from time to time, read the Denver Post. And for those of you who don't know, that's a newspaper. It gave us kind of print, you know, and you turn the page. Anyway, uh, they would have articles from time to time. One article is fascinating because of all the snow that would come to Colorado and so on. And it was one of these opinion and, and uh, lifestyle stories about this woman who was up in the foothills in the west of Denver. And they were, she was coming into Denver. And somehow uh, the snowstorm came in, and it was a whiteout condition. You know, she's terrified. But fortunately, in front of her was a snowplow. 
And she said, I am saved. I will simply follow the snowplow all the way in. Uh, you know, she was so relieved, but it was so bad, the conditions. She had to get up right behind the snowplow. And so she's following this thing, making all these turns for about a half hour. Finally, it stops in the snow. She's waiting there, and there's a wrap on her window, and the guy, the driver, got out and said, lady, what are you doing? She says, I'm terrified. I'm trying to get down to Denver, and, and so on. Well, sorry, I can't help you. I've been clearing a parking lot for a half hour, and you've been following me. You know, When you and I follow the wrong people, it can lead you to a place that you don't want to be. In fact, all of us intuitively know that. So this is huge. So in order to get to the right destination, we need to follow the right people. And I was given the very first of these messages that, that, um, this, for this series to make sure we're on the right road. In fact, the title of mine is called Seeking Wise Counsel for Direction. Now, before we do that, because we're starting a new series... I want to kind of introduce the new series by talking about getting counsel from God kind of generally and explode some myths that all of us hold from time to time concerning the will of God, making decisions, God's will. And can I do that? Would you go with me on this a little bit? And, and you'll find in your notes four myths that sometimes we buy into concerning knowing God's will. And here's the first one. The first common one is this. God's will is hard to find. God's will is hard, and that's a myth. Because many of us will struggle trying to discern what it is that God wants us to do in a specific situation, right? But of what he desires is usually already revealed in the scriptures, in fact, if you refer to God's book of wisdom, we call Proverbs, you'll find in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 22, when you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. The thing that's interesting is the they in this passage is referring to the words of God, the word of God. They will watch over you. They will talk with you. For instance, it's interesting. If you just take a simple walk through the scriptures, through the Proverbs, through the book on wisdom, you will find that God's will for us is actually fairly clear. If you were to do a study on that topic, the will of God, you will find there's actually only seven instances where it is completely and succinctly talked about. However, in the book of Proverbs, there's hundreds of principles on the way of wisdom, the way of, to make decisions, the way that will help you navigate the course that you're on. And so it's interesting that people will say from time to time, they say, oh boy, this is so hard to find, when literally the Word of God tells us things. It says, avoid fatal friends. Proverbs tells you that, that, that our mouths ought to speak words of life and not words of confusion. Page after page, verse after verse in the book of Proverbs, there is wisdom for you and I to live our lives. And let me give you a second myth, okay? Second myth is God wants us to know the future. You know, that's what it is. God wants us to know the future. And let me tell you, uh, it's a myth. 
It is a myth. It's not. God does not reveal what's coming next week or next month or next year per se, but he urges all of us to take the next step in our journey. Every one of us are in a different place in our journey with God. His encouragement to you and I is to lean into those next steps. In fact, I love Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. I'm only going to talk about the first half here and the first half a little bit later, or second half a little later. It says this, for the commandment, talking about the Bible, is a lamp, this teaching a light. Now the picture here is not some huge spotlight that fills up the whole room. This is a picture of an oil lamp that was usually and ordinarily taken to help you walk through the darkness. And the thing that was interesting about that is it would literally just open up and light up about 10 feet around you. But as you walk 10 feet, it would open up another 10 feet and then another 10 feet. And that's ordinarily how God operates. He gives you enough and then he gives you more and then he gives you more. Uh, Janet and I went to NAU. We met each other in Flagstaff. And uh, up in Flagstaff, have you ever been to the ice caves, the lava tubes up there? Any of you ever do that? If you haven't, it is a blast. It's really, really neat. You know, they call them the ice caves because even in the summertime, there's usually ice on the outside of it. It's very cold in there. But as you go in there in a cave that's only about a half mile, you know, deep, when you go in there, a lot of people from time to time, you, you have a flashlight and you can see a little bit of what's in front of you, but you keep on going and it gives you more and more. And sometimes you have to get through a little hole and stuff. And then you'll open up to this big cavern. And a lot of times we'll turn out the light. You cannot see anything. Your hand in front of your face, you cannot see. But then you turn on the flashlight and you see that 10 feet, that 20 feet in front of you. That's exactly how God illuminates things for us. He didn't tell us the whole future. He tells us enough to allow us to lean into that and move to that next step. Let me give you a third myth. (laughs) I love this one. We need to be 100% sure before we make a decision. 100% sure. In our search for the absolute certainty of every decision, we can end up being paralyzed. In fact, sociologists call it analysis paralysis. It's when we're analyzing things so much that it actually causes rigidity and we don't make a decision at all. Now, I said this during the first service, knowing that my wife was not here. I have not asked her permission, and it's going to be an ugly afternoon, maybe. But when we go to a restaurant... Especially if you go to like the Cheesecake Factory. It's got a menu that's this big. Yeah, you've been there, you know, it's just a million different things you can buy. And we'll go around and the server will go around and ask all of our orders. We'll go around two or three times and finally, Janet, what are you going to get? And she will ordinarily say to the server, well, what do you think I ought to get? And I'm thinking, you don't even know this guy. How does he know what you would like? But sometimes all that information causes us to not make a decision at all. And it's so, so very true that, you know, you don't have to have 100% 
a surety to, before you make a decision. It says in Proverbs 16, verse 9, the reason is because the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. God wants you and I to take a step of faith from time to time. And when we do, he will accomplish his purposes according to that passage. Let me give you the fourth myth, and I love this one because I'm an American. Number four, God's greatest goal is my happiness. I'm an American. Our happiness is actually written into our founding documents. It comes really normal for us. It's my right to be happy. So we buy into this myth even when it comes to our relationship with God and our decisions for the future. Uh, some of us believe that God must want me happy. In fact, when I'm not happy, I must be out of God's will. Come here. As you look at the Bible and unpack it, you find out that God is committed to our holiness, not our happiness. Now, happiness comes, and it's icing on the cake. But that means that God can allow in your life and in my life those difficult things, those things that I wish I wouldn't face, those things that are difficult and hard and tough, so that somehow in some way my relationship with God, the holiness of character, would be stretched and grow. Now, I'm an athlete. I'm an aging athlete aging athlete but I work out pretty regularly and you know why I work out I work out because I've got 13 and a half 14 grandkids and I want to be able to have fun with them so I do everything I can on the front end but do you know I hate working out I hate it I hate the sweat I hate the hardness I hate the you know the weights and I hate all that kind of I don't like any of it but you know what I love I love being able to play with them I love having energy to be able to do it. And there is a sense that God allows the toughness of situation and life so that you can enjoy what he really has for you. Isn't that beautiful? It's so good. That's what God does in his love for you. He says, I want you holy. In fact, I love the passage that, that, that goes on and says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Which is just a fancy theological term. His will for you is your growth. Isn't that beautiful? It's really neat. So finding divine direction in this whole series, okay? What we're going to do over the next three weeks is we're going to explore you know, these choices you know, that, that God gives. And today we're going to look at, at primarily good, godly counsel in helping us with our decisions. And we have really one verse that I really want to unpack. And this is the one that's at the bottom of your sheet there. And, and circle it, look at it, memorize it. This might be for you, your 2019 verse for your family. I love it. The writer of Proverbs, Solomon, he says this in verse 13, chapter 13, verse 20. He says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools 
will suffer harm. Isn't that beautiful? Whoever walks, circle that word walks, with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, both Old Testament and New Testament, that word walk is an interesting word. Many times it's just talking about a pace, a nominal pace, where we're moving from one place to another. But did you know that more than that, it's used in a metaphorical sense? It's a picture. It's a metaphor for something bigger or greater and so on. It refers to a course of life. It refers to conducting yourself in a manner, in a, in a worthy manner, in a, in a specific manner. That's what that word refers to. And many times throughout the New Testament, that word is found in the present tense. Now, for you Greek scholars and stuff, what that means is, in Greek, the present tense was not just like in English, punctiliar. Punctiliar means, it, here it is, boom. You know, it, uh, Bob runs. You know, it, there it is. But in Greek, the present tense means Bob runs continually. And so this walk, this manner of life, this course of life that we're talking about is a continual mode. So what he's saying here, even in the Old Testament, where he says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. As a matter of fact, the root form of that word walk literally means to live. To live. So the first thing that we're going to find in this whole message is simply this. We're going to walk, 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 walk with the wise. Oh, this is, this is huge. This is huge. We're not going to walk necessarily with the smartest or the richest or those entitled. But according to this, we're going to walk with the wise. Walking with a wise person helps you and I make wise decisions. And then it says, almost in a poetic form, that the companion of fools suffers harm. In fact, I, I don't know. Have you ever seen three guys in the front of a pickup truck? You ever seen you know, three guys in the front of a pickup truck? I guarantee you they're up to no good. I'm just saying, you, you know what I'm talking about. In the history of the world, three guys in the front of a pickup truck, usually one guy's holding somebody's beer and they're going to do something really bad. You know, it, it just, it's the way it is. When you are around people, they're going to influence you one way or the other. And if you run with the wrong people, wrong things tend to happen. In fact, I've talked to so many people who are involved in church from time to time. They're involved in church and... And, and they've, they, maybe they've crossed the line, they've become a follower of Jesus, okay? But they're really struggling because they've come out of a lifestyle, maybe of drugs and some other kind of things, and they're really struggling with that, okay? And I will often ask them, well, tell me about your friends. How many of those friends, you know, also have crossed the line, have come to know Jesus? Well, none of them. Uh, how many of those friends that you hang with are, are still really struggling with the drug issues and stuff? Well, all of them. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, maybe, just maybe, that could be an influence of why you're struggling. Now, don't get me wrong. I think as a follower of Jesus, I want to be able to impact people who are far from God. And I want to have a ministry with those. But with those that are closest, that are influencing me to make right or wrong decisions, that core of people, 
I want them to be wise. Wise in their relationship to God, wise in how they respond to people, and wise in terms of making decisions. In fact, there's a phrase here. And if there's a phrase that you can hold on to and maybe put up you know, on your bulletin board or something like that, this is it. You ready for it? You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You show me your friends, and I will show you your future. It is almost impossible to live the right life if you've got the wrong friends. And you know what this means? This means your mom was right. Your mother was right when she said, you're hanging around the wrong people. Because you show me your friends, and I will show you your future. How many people know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Okay. Almost every time, almost every time, I would, when I was running around with people doing the wrong things, I would allow them to influence me in making the wrong decisions. Walk with the wise, though, and you become wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. I love that imagery, like I was saying here. You know, I, this idea. In other words, we are to do life together. This is not saying, I need some wise advice, so I'm going to go talk to somebody to get wisdom one time. Remember, the word walk is a long process. This means I want to hang out and learn wisdom over a long period of time by doing life with people. And as I was mentioning, Josh, I hope you don't mind me doing this shameless plug here, but I'll tell you what, that's why small groups are so important. Because it's in those contexts of small groups that you can really see how people are living their life, how they're navigating the difficult things that are going on. And unless you have that going on in your life, you will tend to not make the best decisions. So I wholeheartedly encourage you, if you're not in a small group, and I know North Valley is starting at the end of January, some new small groups, please consider that. Maybe that's going to be your New Year's resolution that will go long beyond January 15th, Ellis. It'll be that thing that can really, really make the difference of your life. So I guess it helps it right now if we would know what constitutes the difference between a wise person and a wise guy because you don't want to hang with a wise guy but you want to hang with a wise person here's the deal wisdom isn't simply intelligence it's not simply knowledge it's not even simply understanding it is literally the ability to use what you have learned and put it into practical application that makes sense you don't get wisdom from a textbook and knowledge itself will never equal wisdom. Experience is the key. It's one of the most valuable tools in acquiring wisdom. That's to say, you know, what we learn from experience gives us wisdom to take steps further on. As a matter of fact, you can read every book that you want to read about swimming. You can read about it, you can watch videos about it, you can understand the technology behind buoyancy and so on, but you won't really get it until you get down into the water. Wisdom is like that. You can get all sorts of knowledge, but it's putting it together so that it makes sense in a valid manner, in a valid way. The person who has applied what he or she 
has learned biblically in life are the people that you want to hang with. It's really true. And I just got to tell you, this is one of the foundational principles of parenting. If you have kids, you've got grandkids, or you want to, are going to have kids, this is huge. It's foundational to make sure your kids hang with the right people and avoid the wrong ones. Here's the deal. My daughter is here. Janelle. She didn't know I was going to do this. Got four great kids. I mean, amazing kids. They all love Jesus Christ, and they're walking with God, and they're successful in their life. I mean, I'm, 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 Janet and I are proud beyond words. But there was a time for Janelle where she may have been hanging with the wrong people. And there came a time in Janet's and my life where we had to say to her, I'm not your pal. I'm not even your friend. I'm your dad. And because of that, we have to make a decision where we may be looked at in a different way. You may hate us. You may not like us. You may think we're the worst people in the world. But we love you so much, we're willing to take that on our shoulders. She now will look back at that and does, and often speaks about it in many different places as a real pivotal time in her life. She's now a mother of four, sold out to Jesus Christ, part of a worship team, done all these amazing kind of things. But we had to take the risk. Parents, you're not your kids' buddies, pals and friends. Now my kids have grown up, and I'm their buddy and I'm their pal, and I'm their friends. And I often tell people I'd be friends with these people whether I was related to them or not. But that comes later. Parents never give up that precious place that God has put you in. And sometimes it means saying, honey, son, daughter, we don't think you're hanging with the right people, and we're going to intercede. It's tough. But the Bible puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. The Bible says this, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. <laughs> pastor's kids. How awful is it to be a pastor's kid? They will tell you how awful it is. In fact, after the service, ask them. It is always, always hard, you know, to, to, to do that. But I'll tell you what. They have learned to be their own people because hopefully they've seen a legitimacy in Janet's and my relationship. And hopefully we're the same on stage as we are at home. That passage, 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts or ruins good morals. The opposite is also true. Good company guards against the development of bad habits. You know, many parents are so afraid of peer pressure, and can I just suggest lean on good peer pressure. You know, make sure your kids are in the places where they, their, your values and their values 
can be reinforced. And so if your kids aren't in Sunday school class or small group or student ministry or something like that, you're just kind of handicapping your kids. Get them an association. And there have been times in my kids that they didn't want to be there. We made them go there. Lovingly, but we made them go there. On those times when, just like all of us, do we really have to go? We made the decision, and they did. There was a guy named Dennis Rainey. You may have heard Dennis Rainey. Dennis Rainey started Family Life. He was part of Campus Crusade for Christ. He's one of the divisions there. A real popular speaker. He used to teach in Sunday school this whole principle of that First Corinthians passage. And what he would do is he'd bring in an apple that was just, you know, beautiful, brand new apple, you know, just gorgeous and stuff. Uh, but he'd also bring in a sack that contained a couple of apples that looked pretty good, but all had a bruise, a big bruise on the side. And as he was teaching and so on, he would put the good apple in with the other one, seal up the plastic bag, and next week he would come, and in front of all of his students there, he'd open it up and say, take a look. And that one good apple eventually became apple mush. Yeah, it was influenced, it was changed, and then he would read, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. It's just true. It's one of those passages that just speaks to your soul and your your heart. Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man of many companions comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This passage in Hebrews is kind of interesting because there are two different words there. In fact, some translations actually uses the friend tw- word friend twice. The ESV uses the word companion as opposed to friend. That first word companion, okay, is, is an interesting word. It is the Hebrew word rea. And rea is this idea of an acquaintance. It's this idea that, uh, you know, I, I, I know a bunch of people and we can converse about the weather. We can converse about a, a number of different things, but we don't go very, very deep. And there's no accountability. But the next word is the word aheb. And that word means deep. It means a brother. It means somebody who is so in love with you and cares so much for you that they will stand up and say, you know, you are making a difficult or wrong decision here. Or you, you are doing the right thing here. Way to go. And they will applaud They are a person that is deeper than just an acquaintance. And so with that understanding, let's read it again. A man of many companions, Rhea, okay, come to ruin. But there is a friend, a him, who sticks closer than a brother. Doesn't this really connect with that passage that we looked at at the very beginning? So here's the question. You want to be strong spiritually in 2019? Yeah? then find somebody who you believe is really growing deep spiritually. Somebody you look up to and says, that's the kind of life that I would like to live. And then hang with them. Be with them. Invite yourself over to their place. (laughs) Buy them coffee. Do whatever you need to do. Because you want to learn from that person. Because it's the wise. Hanging with the wise that makes you wise. You find somebody who is financially sound, has been making good financial decisions, then hang with them. How did you do that? How did you make those financial decisions? What kind of risks do you take? You find somebody who is parenting in a really great, authentic way, then lean up against them. 
How did you navigate that portion of parenting, that life? You become wise by hanging with those who are wise and hanging with people who can speak into your life. Every one of us here have got blind spots. Some of us have got bald spots, but we all have blind spots. And you need a friend who will speak into your life in that area. It's huge. Do you have anybody like that? Do you have any godly friends who just don't shine on you all the time? They don't just tell you what you want to hear, but they love you enough to level with you. They love you enough to point it out. They say, you know what, you're blowing it right now. Janet and I are in a ministry we call Mission Recharge. Because frankly, okay, I'm going to really be honest. I didn't even say this in the first service. We're kind of tired of having ministry leaders around the country make bonehead decisions and become headliners because they made a moral, dumb decision or a big financial decision that destroyed a lot of people. We believe very, very strong that we need to be in pastors' lives and leaders' lives to help them make good decisions going forward so there are less and less headlines and more and more transformation that's taken place. We feel it's important. You need that kind of person in your life, and you need to be that kind of person in another person's life as well. You know... Can I share my passion? If I wasn't in ministry, I would be a movie critic because I love movies. Or I'd be a food critic because I like food. (laughs) But one of my favorite characters, my son pointed it out, was Steve Rogers. Okay, those of you who are not aficionados, Captain America, okay? His real name is Steve Rogers, okay? And you know the story about Steve Rogers? Steve Rogers was the original 98-pound weakling. But he had this heart that he wanted to serve his country, but he was so small. He was so nothing that he could never even get into the army. And he kept on hearing these voices of people saying, you can't do it. You're not strong enough, you're not good enough, and so on. There was only one person who would eventually kind of helped him out, and it was this good friend, Bucky. And you know the story. Steve Rogers, he went through this whole process, and he becomes Captain America. Whose voices are you going to listen to in 2019? Wise counsel helps you to make wise decisions. Who are you going to hang with this year? You pray with me? God, I just thank you for this time. It's just so awesome to to be here in this place and to kind of unpack your word. Lord, I thank you for this, that powerful passage that he who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Oh, God. I pray that you would raise up those people around us that we could lean into to make wise decisions for the future. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the thanksgiving. And all God's people said, 
Amen. God bless. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.